concerning about worship, about the presence of the Lord, and all those wonderful things. What the Lord laid on my heart is I was, I've got about three messages running through my mind, and I can take from parts of all three, but uh, I'll save most of it for another day. But I want to talk this morning about building an altar of worship, setting up an altar of worship. Now, coming from Thailand, I've seen many, many altars in that country. Everywhere you turn around is a statue of Buddha or whatever. And so people understand what it is to set up an idol. Did you know Americans do the same thing? May not be a statue of a little fat man, but it might be a business or a sports team or a car or a, uh, a boat. I drove across coming to the church this morning and I said, you know what? That's very tempting. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I used to love to ski and all these things. And I mean, it was like glass this morning, man. I mean, like, oh, perfect conditions, you know. I love to play golf and I, I was thinking, oh, the grass is perfect. The greens have got to be excellent. So in the natural, we set up idols, sports figures. But I want to talk about a man just for a little while. That in his lifelong journey, he began very young, setting up a place where he would honor God. And as he honored the Lord, the Lord was faithful to meet him at that place. Before I go to that particular passage, I want to just kind of set it up. As we begin to worship this morning, the Bible says over in the book of Psalms that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That as the children of Israel begin to worship, the Lord would come. He says, if you'll worship me, I will meet you there. Whenever you begin to lift your voice and worship, I will come and I will meet you there. Psalm 22, verse 3 says this, But you are holy, O Lord, who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. Wherever the people of God offer up praise, you will find the presence of God there. Now, it is up to us to recognize that He's here. I could give you an illustration, and, and, and maybe I can do it through the week, about how you can ignore the presence of God. You can act as if He's not here. If you're a believer, you're a carrier of the presence of God. He dwells on the inside of you. But how many of you know that we can go about our daily life and never acknowledge the presence of God one time in that day? I have to admit, there have been a time or two in my life, I probably did that. But in the last few years and, and actually many years, I, I try to make a constant effort in, in acknowledging the Lord in His presence in my life on a daily basis. Because I think it's important. One of the things we see in this simple little passage, that God excels in an atmosphere permeated with worship and praise. Let me put it in a simple way that you can understand. Doesn't our, don't our marriages do better whenever we acknowledge our spouse? 
Come on. I mean, just I walk around. Honey, you sure do look pretty today. Oh, pulls a smile. Or whether I just kind of take everything for granted, don't ever say anything and go weeks on end and she fixes the, move, the meals and takes care of my clothes and, and, and you know, all these different things. And I, and I just go about my stuff and act like she's not there. How many of you know that's not going to last very long? Oh, yeah. She's going to get my attention some way. Because if I'm in a relationship with her, then I'm going to want to express my love to her. If we're in a relationship with our God, we're not going to want to go very many days without expressing our gratitude to Him. And I want to tell you, every time you give Him that praise, He is faithful to permeate. He, he manifests Himself in some way in our life. In Acts chapter 16, you know the story about Paul and Silas. They're in prison. They're in a bad, in a bad place. Cold, dark, ugly. They're in chains and stocks. And Paul looks at Silas and he says, you know what? I need a change of atmosphere. <laughs> Boy, what, what do you got in mind? I don't think we're going anywhere. <laughs> Why don't we just start? Worshiping the Lord. Let's just sing a while. I don't know what they sang. Might have been another version of Hallelujah. I don't know. Might have been Jailhouse Rock. I don't know. But all I know is this, is that they begin to worship the Lord. The atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed. In the darkest hour of their pain, when it was the most inconvenient, when they really didn't feel like it, when it would have been better just to sit there and gripe at God. God, we're your servants. Why are we in chains? We've all done it. Lord, I don't deserve this. I don't do that. Whatever it is. Instead, they began to worship. And the whole atmosphere changed. Which leads me to my next point. You can change the atmosphere in which you live. You may not be able to change the circumstance because in the natural, Paul and Silas couldn't go anywhere. But as they began to worship the Lord, even their circumstances changed. Come on now. Even the natural began to change. Whatever's holding you, I promise you, when God gets involved, the atmosphere changes and the conditions begin to change. That's just the way God is. He's not going to leave you where you are and not do something on your behalf. I know. I've been there. You know what? Whenever I acknowledged him, it may take just a little while, but it doesn't take very long. Because he is so ready to come and meet us. When you're in the middle of a trial, it sounds better to God for you to worship and praise and murmur and gripe. You see, murmuring and griping is an attitude of the world. Because an overcomer, someone who's victorious in Christ, they know better. We know better. 
Doesn't mean we always respond the right way, but we do know better. But the moment we begin to worship Him and praise Him, God moves on our behalf. Blessing and cursing cannot come from the same vessel. That's why this week we're going to dive in, go deep, and we're going to have fun. You know what we're going to do this week? We're going to change what we speak. We're going to change what we say. Because this is what I love about getting away like this is because we leave all the stuff of the house behind. We're going to have about three or four days of just entering into God's presence in the morning, the afternoon, and in the night. Being around God's people. It's an opportunity to change habits. It's an opportunity to set up new habits. And allow God to get involved in some things of our life that are maybe not what we've done in the past. The word worship. The first half of that word literally means value or respect. And the second part of it means to shape or build something. So what we're doing is, is in our life worshiping the Lord, I'm allowing Him, I'm setting up that He is first. And my life is built upon Him. My honor and my respect for Him. The moment respect and honor begins to subside for anything, a pastor, the moment you lose your respect for the office even this man sets in, the atti- your attitude changes. You, how you serve the house. It all changes. Our relationship with the Lord is no different. The moment we allow everything else to be more important than our relationship with Him, our respect and our value. Because let me tell you something. Hey, how do you treat a brand new car? Don't touch my car. What you'll do is, is you'll, here's, here's two parking places. Brand new car. You park on the line. So nobody can bang your doors. Come on. We get saved. Been around the things of God just a few months. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. Hallelujah. You know, all this stuff. But three years down the road, you know, it's kind of gotten, you know, it's like more uh, blasé because, you know, I'm used to the things of God. Yes, he's wonderful and hallelujah. But we're not near as passionate build or shape worth and value or respect. We offer our worship to God with our heart, our lips, our lives, with great care and great respect. We're being filled with His worth and His value. I'm a vessel. I'm a container. That's what a ship is. A ship is a container to carry people or product from one place, one port to another. And God came through His Son, Jesus Christ, that you and I, through the person of the Holy Spirit, could be carriers of His glory. And we should take that with great respect and great honor. That God would choose me. God would choose Pastor Num, Pastor Lau, Dr. Lau, many of these staff members, Pastor Caesar, those of us that get our living and, and, and our livelihood from the gospel, it's such an honor. It's not something we take lightly. But you should not take it lightly either because you are also a container. You are also a vessel that God has put His worth. Think about that. That God would put His glory, His power, 
His anointing. Everything, the full measure of who he is inside of you, inside of me. How can we take that lightly? Only one way. We get so busy that we fail to give him honor. These next few days is an opportunity for us to set aside some time and say, Lord, I'm going I'm to bless your name. Lord, I want you to come and fill me. I want you to come and touch my life. Lord, radically change me. Lord, that when I leave that camp four days or so later, Lord, I don't even look the same. There was a man in the Bible. His name was Abraham. As we look at Abraham, he had a reverence for God. He was a carrier of the presence of God, and he was an example of worship. In Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 13, there in chapter 12, God says, The Lord appeared unto Abram, and he said, I will give this land to your posterity. So Abraham built an altar, or Abram built an altar there. From there, he pulled up his tent. And he departed to the next place, to the mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent on the west side of Ai on the east. And there he built an altar. Everywhere Abram went, he would set up his tent and he would build an altar. And the Bible says every time he would set up that tent, then he would build that altar. God would begin to speak to him and give him the information and what he was to do about the next place. So this began to be a pattern in Abram's life. He was always building an altar of worship, and God always met him there. Look here as we finish that little passage there in chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. Pitched his tent, Bethel on the west side. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And then Abram journeyed on, till uh, still going toward the south, the Negev. Chapter 13 and verse 18. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt among the oaks and the uh, terebinths of uh, Mamre, where he, uh, which are at Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. It became a pattern in his life. God saw that. And God would honor him. Why is this important? Because in just a few years... Look over in Genesis chapter 22. We see where the Lord now is going to test Abram. My wife and I are reading a book about the life of Joseph. There are many tests that you and I are going to go through. God's going to allow these things to come into our lives because... He wants to find out what's in us. And they are truly taking us to our destiny. You're not going to be able to circumvent these things. Because they are a part of the journey to your destination and your destiny in God. What he's called you to. This week is a part of that journey. If there's any way you can be. At that camp this week, you need to be there because it's a part of your journey. It's a part of the journey for this church. Building relationships with people, having fun, just 
having some crazy fun. But also allowing the Word of God to go deep into our spirit. Just a couple of things as I finish up. Each time you come before the Lord, you're shaping a throne for God's Almighty to occupy in our life. As He built an altar, a physical altar beside the tent for God to come and touch Him there. I am now, huh, a place of meeting for God. I am now the dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Basically, I'm that altar. Hello. God is building us in His image. And every time we acknowledge Him, He comes and He meets us here. My act of worship says... Lord, I want to spend time with you. I respect you that much. It says, I want to sit in your presence. There's nothing more important than spending time with you. That's why these next four days are very important. Every one of us can fill our days. I've got plenty to do without going and spending four days at a camp. But it's what I'm called to do. I have a lot of work back in Austin I could be doing. So don't tell me about all the stuff we could be doing. But our honor and our respect says, God, I need the time. I need to sit in your presence. I need that in my life. I want to be with you more than anything else in the world. Lord, be enthroned in my life. Sit in my life is first place. The only one there. So he set up this pattern. Pitching a tent, building an altar. If you have been spending time with the Lord in the good times, listen to me, and the pattern is set, then when trials come, you'll be ready. Because of the promise that God had made to Abraham, he knew he was to be the father of many nations. And he also knew that Isaac was the heir that God was going to use. Didn't make it any easier whenever God says in chapter 22, after these events, God tested and proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham, what did Abraham say? Here am I. He was used to hearing the voice of God. He knew his voice. He knew it wasn't the devil. He knew it was God. And God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now listen, God had been already telling him, take your tent, set it up here. He would build an altar. God would meet him there. Abraham knew that as he went to that place of worship where God said go, God was going to be there. Now it didn't make it any easier because God had said, I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to sacrifice your future. Well, that'll preach right there. Whenever we come and we bring our future, our destiny, what God has called us to, whether it's a plumber, whether it's a banker, whether it's a school teacher, whether it's a pastor, and we bring who we are as an offering and we lay it on the altar and say, God, there it is. You can have it. That's when God begins to do the miraculous. Because up until then, it's what you want. But whenever we take it to the altar and say, okay, God, I'm giving it to you.
then it becomes his. Because God could have taken the life of Isaac, but instead, he, you know the rest of the story, God gives Isaac back to Abraham. Because truly he was the future of God's people, the promise of God. You see, your promise, listen to me, your promise is attached to your destiny. The promise that God has made to you is attached to your destiny, and God's not going to separate the two. He's not. He's not going to separate the two. But we have to find out what it is God wants us to do. This is very cool. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took uh, two of his young men with him, his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering, then began the trip to the place which God told him. On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance, and Abram saw his servant. Settle down, stay here with the donkey, and I and the young man, I love this, will go yonder and sacrifice. No, what did he say? I'm going to go do what I've always done. I'm going to go worship. I believe that, you know, I had this mental picture. I see the son bound, laying on top of the altar. And as Abraham raised his hands, yes, he had his dagger in the hand, but it was also an attitude in a position of worship. And in that place of worship, the Lord speaks to him. Just like he had always spoken to him. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear and reverence me. Since you have not held back from me or begrudged giving me your son your only son. You see, in that place of attitude, place and attitude of worship, you can't hide anything. Because it's in that place that the motives of our heart are exposed. That's why this coming week is important because our true motives are going to be exposed. Living in tents, eating with each other, being close. We're bound to get on each other's nerves. Come on. We will. Something, it'll be too loud or not loud enough. The food won't be like you like it. Well, I spent all this money in the food, ain't it? You know, just, just get over it now. Trust me. Trust me, I've been to 100,000 camps. I've never been to one yet where the food was five-star. If you're expecting five-star, get over it. The point I'm making is, is that, you know what? The enemy will do whatever he can to get to right here. But here's the cool thing. In the presence of God, He's speaking and he's trying to get to the same place. Because he knows if he can get to your heart and he can bring about change, we're going to go deeper, 
we're going to dive deeper. And as we dive deeper, the Bible says out of our belly flow rivers of living water. For some of you this week, the dam's going to break. And you're going to get free. And the joy of the Lord is going to, I mean, it's going to be so cool, so awesome. We're going to set some new patterns in our lives. For us, our altar of sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. Our altar is also a sacrificed life through Christ Jesus. Our altar is an altar of obedience to Christ through a life filled by the Holy Ghost, worshiping day and night. I was going to minister, and I've got another message, which is a part of what we'll do this week called Practicing His Presence. But I felt like I needed to start here this morning because some of you may not get to go to camp. And I wanted to lay a foundation in your life today that if you will start today setting up an altar of worship in your house. You see, for seven years we've been speaking some things in our church. Believing God for some things in our church. But God took me to a passage in Matthew chapter 17. And in this passage, the men of God go to try and cast out a devil. Just one devil. Probably a stick devil. Paralyzed from the neck down. One devil. Eleven, twelve of God's best. Couldn't cast out one devil. And Jesus comes on the scene. And he goes, oh, guys, your unbelief. It's terrible. That's Cruz paraphrase. He said, if you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, then you could speak to this mountain. He wasn't talking about a mountain of dirt. He wasn't talking about a physical mountain. He's talking about the mountain of casting out devils. If you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you could speak to this mountain and say, be thou removed, and it would remove itself. And the guys said this, okay, Lord, sorry. Then what must we do? What do we need to do? You know what he said? Some things are only wrought through what? Prayer and fasting. Fasting doesn't change God. Prayer and fasting change us. And I said, God, why have we not been able to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this? It wasn't because I was in sin. Running around with my wife or smoking and drinking and, you know, all this stuff. That was not my problem. God said, some things are only wrought through prayer and fasting. And I said, oh. So what you mean is, is that you want more of my time. Oh, but God, I'm so busy. I'm a pastor and an evangelist and da 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 and all these things. But I want more of your time. 
God, I give you my whole life, my whole time. No, I want more of your time. And so I began to get alone with the Lord. And as I began to get alone with the Lord, he said, change this. Speak this. Do this. And as I did, those of you that come to camp, I'll finish the story there. But I will tell you this. In the last six weeks, I can't keep up. The hand of God is moving on our behalf as a church and as a school and our traveling ministry. I cannot keep up. And I haven't really changed anything other than I gave God my time. He said, build an altar of worship. You know what you preach about all the time and all the things for years you've talked about? You remember those early days when we spent so much time together in the upper room and those songs started coming and all those things? Yes, Lord, I remember. He said, I want that same kind of time. And the moment I did that, the atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed. God is requiring the honor that he is due. He's requiring the honor that he is due. We can go screaming and crying and hollering like a little two-year-old kid that doesn't want to do what we've asked him to do. Or we can submit to the King of glory and say, Father, I need that mountain moved. Okay, son. Then I want your time. Because some things are only wrought through prayer and fasting. Only some things are wrought as you spend time in my presence and you learn to hear my voice. I'm giving you a key this morning that will radically change your life. Some of you businessmen here today are trying to go to the next level and you're trying to do it in the natural. And if you go in the natural, it'll take you 10 years longer. But if you'll submit to the things of God and spend time with the Lord, He'll give you a supernatural key that will fast forward your business 10 years down the road. Just like that. He'll do your ministry the same way. That's what I'm learning. I could be a way lot further down the road if I had done it His way instead of trying to do it my way. I'm speaking to some people today. Build an altar. Find a place in your house. My time with the Lord is early in the morning before anything else happens. It's anywhere from 3 to 5 o'clock in the morning. It's amazing how early God wakes me up. Well, pastor, if I do that, I can't work. It's amazing what you can do under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about spending, reading 50,000 verses and chapters. Just ask God to give you three or four scriptures. That's what I did. Lord, over my staff, I need two or three scriptures that I can speak every day over my, over my staff. 
Father, over the businessmen, they call me and say, Pastor, pray over our business. We need this, this, this. God gave me about three or four scriptures to give to our businessmen. Over our schools. Over our traveling ministry. Did you know when I begin to do this, I'm going to give you one testimony and I'm done. Two years ago, we tried to buy property. 26 acres. And through a series of events, it didn't happen. And I was so distraught, I thought, oh my God. I'm an idiot. Took our people through all of this, spent all this money, and I was just wrong. No. I learned over in Genesis chapter 22, there's seed time and harvest. Or Genesis chapter 12. I can't remember which one it is. Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Winter and summer. There's seasons. And it wasn't season, the right season for me to get my land. But as I began to pray, out of the blue, Dr. Lau, a pastor called, uh, I mean, uh, the man who owned the property we were trying to buy, they bought it out from under us. The guy paid more money for it. He called me three weeks ago, out of the blue, the guy who bought the property. And he said, are y'all still interested in this land? Because he bought it out from under me. He knew I wanted it. And he asked me, he said, are you still interested in this land? I said, yes, sir, we are. He said, well, I've had people leasing this property for the last two years. He said, I bought it to resell it. I'm not going to use it. I bought it as an investment. I said, great. Uh, are you wanting to lease it? or What do you want to do? He said, are you interested in a lease purchase? I said, sure. Two years ago, I would have had to spend $600,000 just to get started on the purchase. He said, I'll lease it to you for the next five years at $2,600 a month. 26 acres, $2,600 a month. I nearly fell out of my chair. I said, then how do you want me to take down the property? He said, over the next two years, I need you to buy five acres of it. And he said, then we'll figure out how to take care of the rest of it. I can get on the land. I can put my feet physically on that land July the 15th, well, actually, when I get back home, the 19th, it's coming Monday week, with a, down, with, with a monthly down payment of $2,600 a month, and he wants me to pay the last half of July. So security deposit, $2,600, $1,300. And I walk on that property, mine. Here's another neat thing. I don't even have to build a building on it right now because a pastor friend of mine down in Miami, Florida, owns an air dome. An air dome, air-conditioned air dome. Like, like Seattle Seahawks, uh, um, they, they, they practice underneath whenever it's raining or before they got the new stadium. Texas, the Longhorns, they have this big outdoor air dome like this that keep up all the time. He told me I could use it for two years free. So what I'm saying is, is whenever we begin to get in God's presence and I begin to build an altar and I say, okay, Lord, this is what your word says. Some things are only wrought through prayer and fasting. I'm going to spend time in your presence. God, I need to hear your voice. Ephesians 1 says, He'll open the eyes of my understanding that I might know what the perfect will of the Lord is. That I can start to speak what He's speaking. That changes my world. That changes the atmosphere in which I live. I'm not striving to make something happen anymore. He's, he's already sent the angel. He's already been in the future. He knows where I'm headed. What an incredible journey. You talk about fun. It's starting to get fun.
Because the deeper you go into things of God, He opens up who He is to you. So that we can know who He is. And how to live that abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's Let's just bow our heads this morning. Father, you're no respecter of persons. Father, every family represented here today, every businessman and woman, every child, Father, our destiny is in you. We are here to fulfill your perfect will. We are here to minister the gospel in many different ways and many different places. Whether they are just everyday people working in the workforce, they are still called as ministers of the gospel. And that, Father, as you call us, you will equip us. You will fill us with your glory, with your presence. You will equip us with everything we need. If a demon needs to be cast out, then, Father, we have the faith. We have the authority. We have the, the power to do it. Lord, if we need to step on the street and share the gospel, the Father people will be changed. Their lives will be changed. People will be healed, set free, and delivered, saved. Shouldn't just happen in the hundreds in Thailand. It should happen like that in Seattle, Washington, or Austin, Texas. Equip us, Lord. But, Father, as we spend time in your presence, fill us with your glory. Mold us into your image. That, Father, our mind, we think like you. Father, we respond like you. That, Father, when people see us, they see you. And, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. The Lord excels in an atmosphere filled with His glory. And whenever His presence shows up, things begin to happen in the natural. It begins to happen in the natural. And I speak that over your world right now, wherever you're living, that the manifest presence of God would permeate every aspect of your life, every aspect of your life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.